Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Simply Rich. In this series, we are exploring a biblical view on money and wealth and what that looks like for us today. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, this morning we're beginning this series called Simply Rich. And some of you are saying, you know what? Uh, They always talk about money at church. And if you're a first-time guest and that's your sort of mentality, you're thinking, yeah, see, I told you they always talk about church. But look... I'm, I'm self-conscious about that a little bit. So I went back and looked at my past sermons. 2014 was the last time I did a series on money. So uh, just uh, I want to be honest with you. So today we're going to be uh, looking at this and this idea that, um, that God has blessed us. And um, this is an area that all, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has to recognize that, that it's important. In fact, Jesus spoke more about money than he did anything else, more than he spoke about prayer. And, you know, in, in the life probably of the North American follower of Jesus, we sort of like to compartmentalize everything, you know, and, and there are areas of our lives that we, we let say, Jesus, you can have full reign. And there's other areas where we just sort of want to pull it back. But to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you got to let him have reign in, in all of it. So this morning, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you know that God wants you to be rich? Scriptures say that God wants us to be rich. Now, if you're pushing back and you say, well, you know, Clark, that's great, but I'm not rich. You know, just bear with me here. Um, you know, if your annual household income is $32,500 or more, you're in the 1% of the most wealthy people in the world. Let your mind just sort of marinate on that for a minute. You know, you're in the 1% of the most wealthy people in the world. Think this one through. If you made only $1,500 last year, that's more than 80% of the people on the earth. $1,500. If you have sufficient food, decent clothes, live in a house or an apartment and have a reasonably reliable means of transportation, you're among the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you have money saved, a hobby that requires some equipment or supplies, a variety of clothes in your closet, two cars in any condition, and you live in your, live in your own home, you're in the top 5% of the world's wealthiest people. Still not convinced that you're rich? When you get up in the morning, take your shower, and you go into your closet, do you have a choice of clothes? That's a rich person problem. Do you uh, go out for uh, the evening and uh, maybe go out and get a cup of coffee or someplace and you pick up your phone and, and you're frustrated because they don't have good Wi-Fi? That's a rich person problem, okay? Um, do you have a house with a garage that you can't fit your car into the garage because of all the stuff in your garage? That's a rich person problem. 
So I, I hope you understand that we are rich according to the world. And, and I don't share this. I don't say all of this to make you feel guilty. I want you to feel grateful. I want you to feel grateful that God has blessed you abundantly. And, uh, you know, Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, I thought about this this week. Um, you know, what, wherever you get your information, you know, maybe some of you still get the paper. I know the paper man still delivers in my, my neighborhood. Maybe some of you listen to the radio or maybe you watch television or you just use your smartphone or your laptop or whatever it is to get your media. You know, they all market you. And, and the goal of marketing, I apologize to anybody who's in marketing today, but, but the, the goal of marketing is to make you unhappy with what you have so you will want more. And for a follower of Jesus, the goal is to make you ha unhappy with what God has blessed you with. So you'll want more stuff. And, you know, we got bombarded by it all the time. So what should we do? If you've got a Bible or if you've got your phone and it's got the Bible on it, open to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 6, 17, 18, and 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Here's the first thing that I want you to remember. Place your hope in God. This comes straight out of Scripture from verse 17. Timothy writes, uh, Paul writes, uh, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at this. When you have wealth, you're prone to put your hope in wealth. But the Bible says, put your hope in God. So who do you look for, for your hope? Who, who do you look for to provide for you? The correct answer, obviously, is God. God provides for us. And, and did you catch what it said? For our enjoyment. Let me go back and read that. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy what God has provided you with, friends, family, stuff. But the important thing is not to put your hope in stuff. Let's look at the next thing that God says in this scripture. Be rich. This is where it is. God commands us to be rich. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Right there, God's saying, listen, I want you to be rich in good deeds. I want you to use your time and your talent and, yes, your treasure to bless others, to do my work. You know, I was thinking about this. When my kids were little, we had a little, one of those thick paged books and it was called uh, uh, All Mine Bunny. And, and basically the story was the bunny, whenever he saw stuff, he goes, all mine, and, and he grabs it. And you know, what the scripture is really challenging us on is the selfishness mindset. Because we have a tendency to become selfish. In fact, we have to fight against the tendency to become selfish. And when God commands us to 
be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share, that's going against the selfishness mindset. It's, it's saying, listen, I want you to use what I've blessed you with richly to be generous, to share, and, and to be able to help people. A, a few years ago, I, I heard a Christian leader say this, that generosity was the new key to evangelism. You know why? Because when followers of Jesus Christ are generous with their time, their talent, their treasure, it catches people off guard. And when you tell them, I'm not doing this for my sake, I'm doing it for God's sake, that really catches them off guard. Because that's not what our culture says. Our culture has a, a, selfishness, a selfishness mindset. So, place your hope in God, be rich, and here's the next one. Take hold of the true life. Let's look at this next verse. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's saying to be rich in good deeds and generous. When you do that, you're laying up treasure for the future, that you're making an investment in your heavenly future. He, he's talking about eternal life here. That's the life that is truly life. He's talking about eternal life. And he is seriously saying that how we use our wealth here on earth will either lay up treasure for us in heaven or it won't. Now, big disclaimer, we're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about eternal life. You don't receive the promise of eternal life by being generous. You don't receive salvation by doing good deeds. You don't receive salvation in any other way than by faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. You can be the best person in the world, and if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to heaven. But, but going back to this verse, it says that we're supposed to, uh, you know, lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. What's he talking about? He's talking about being generous and that it has a consequence on eternity, for us, for others, and for God. Randy Alcorn's a Christian author and pastor, and he writes this. Christians throughout the years, throughout the ages, have taken this passage literally and have been far more serious than we are about earthly treasures and far, far, excuse me, far less serious than we are about earthly treasures and far more serious about heavenly treasures. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. If you've never read it, I encourage you to. I do encourage you to get the one in modern English, not the one in old English, because it's quite challenging. But Paul Bunyan was uh, arrested. He was put in jail in England. Why? Because he preached the gospel and he hadn't been licensed by the government. And while he was in prison, he wrote this allegory called Pilgrim's Progress. Um, this is what Bunyan writes this is a long time ago. He said, whatever good thing you do for God, if done according to his word, is laid up for you as treasure in chests and coffers to be brought out, to be rewarded for both people and angels to your eternal comfort. Alcorn goes on and he says that this is absolutely a biblical concept 
The Apostle Paul spoke about this in Philippians. He talked about financial giving and explained this verse. Not that I am looking for a gift, Paul writes, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. It's this idea that that God keeps an account open for us in heaven and every gift given for his glory is a deposit in that account. Now, look, I'll be honest. I don't pretend to understand fully everything that's going to happen in heaven. I mean, what I read in the scriptures and what you and I both read in the scriptures gives us a view, but it's not a complete view. But, but what I see in, in these verses and in other verses is that there's something about what you and I do in earth as being faithful followers of God that affects eternity. And it affects a reward that's given in eternity. It affects the eternities for other people. And it also affects what happens to us in heaven. And he says that we need to recognize this. That there are blessings there for us. So here's the big picture. Our generosity on earth has an impact on the eternities of others and of ourselves. We're not talking about our salvation. How we present the gospel to other people has an effect on their eternities. How somebody presented the gospel to you before you accepted had an effect on your eternity. But how we live this life has an effect on what happens in heaven. God entrusts us with riches in this world, in this life, for his glory and for his purposes. Now, like Paul cautioned us in these verses, I want to give you a couple of cautions about riches. Here's the first thing. Riches cause escalating arrogance. You ever bought something, you're like, man, you feel good. You get some new clothes and, you, you know, you think, well, I, I look more handsome or more beautiful or, or more hip or more stylish or whatever. I, a few years ago, I, I bought a new car, um, uh, white Subaru with white interior. And a couple months after I got it, my daughter put her bicycle in the back seat and got a big stain of black bicycle grease on the white upholstery. I was ticked off. I'm just being honest. I was mad. And I thought, what's more important, the car or my daughter? But it's a new car, my daughter. My daughter's more important. And so I, I bottled it up. And I felt like God was sort of speaking to me and saying, Clark, it's just a car. And then that little ego bubble that I had grown because I had a new car and I felt cooler and faster just sort of got popped. And it's like, yeah, it's just a car. You know, it's, it's just a car. But riches can cause us to become arrogant. Remember, having a car puts me in the top 15% of wealthy people in the world. Here's the second thing. Riches cause dislocated trust. Riches make us trust in things other than God. Think this one through. Don't answer this out loud. How much time did you spend praying this week? Just think it through in your head. Now, if tomorrow you lose all your money, all your stuff, all everything material, how much are you going to spend praying this week? Where is your dependence? Where is your trust? Is it in things? Is it in wealth? Or is it in God? 
Jesus says that when he was talking about God, he said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he gets ready and he says, you cannot serve both. And if you've not read this passage, people are going to think he's going to say God and the devil. But that's not what he says. He says, you can't serve both God and money. What do you trust in? Wealth, riches, money, stuff, dislocates our trust from God. So we have to pay attention because Paul says we're supposed to be rich in good deeds and be generous. And when we do that, we're laying up a foundation for the life that is life. This morning, you were given one of these when you came in. Go ahead and pull it out. It's, uh, it's called a finger trap or finger uh, handcuffs. And uh, very simply, it's a little toy. And if, if you take it like this and you push your fingers in, go ahead and do that. Don't be afraid. And then pull out. And don't overbear. If you pull out really hard, yeah, you can muscle your way out of it. But your, your fingers are trapped. All right. So how do you... <laughs> How do you get out of it? You can't pull your way out of it. But guess what? If you push back in, it frees your fingers. Now, now you're saying, Clark, so what? This is like riches, okay? This is like riches in God's word. When, 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 you, when you look at riches your way and you hear what God's word says, you want to pull away from what God's word says. But if you want to be freed from what the world says about riches and live like God, you need to push in. You need to push in to God's word. Because the reality is this. If you look at stuff with a selfishness mindset, you're going to be pulling back all the time from what God says. But, but, if, but if you look at what God's word says to us about how we manage worldly wealth and how we keep it into perspective, you're going to discover freedom as you lean in, push into what God has. So this is the beginning of a series. This is the first Sunday. We're going to go three more Sundays. And some of you are going to say, I'm not coming for the rest of the month. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Push in to God's word and find freedom. Find freedom from a selfishness mindset. Find freedom from what the world says is important and find out what is truly life-giving as you lean into this over the next couple of weeks. Now, on the screen behind you, there's a phrase. I want you to see this phrase. I will not put my hope in riches, but in the one who loves me richly. That's the goal. I will not put my hope in riches. I will put my hope in the one who loves me richly. Let's, let's say it together. I will not put my hope in riches, but in the one who loves me richly. So I don't want you to, to turn this finger trap in. I want you to take it home. I want you to put it someplace where you will see it every day this week. And every time you say it, see it, say, I will not put my hope in riches. I will put my hope in the one who loves me richly. Let's say it one more time. 
I will not put my hope in riches. I will put my hope in the one who loves me richly. That's a good idea. Take your phone out and take a picture of it. Then, then, you, then you'll remember what it says. Caught you. <laughs> so listen, I, I want to pray for you because this is countercultural. This is breaking the selfishness mindset. This is saying God is first. I want to follow what he says about riches. All right. So if you would bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your care for us. Lord, we thank you that you tell us in your word to put our hope in you and not in riches. And you tell us in your word to, that we're supposed to be rich in good deeds and in generosity and we're supposed to be selfless. And you tell us that when we're faithfully following you in this area, we're, gonna, we're going to lay up treasures in heaven and we don't fully understand what all that means, but someday we will discover. And I pray, Lord, for every man and woman in here that, that as they lean into what your word says about wealth and riches, that they will discover freedom that they will not be possessed with, with thinking about how they're going to get through every day and every week, but they'll find real truth in how to handle worldly wealth. Let me pray this in your name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.